everything's a tool, just like social media, right? You can use social media to be an asshole to people and talk shit and be negative, or you can use it to spread positivity, just like the podcast, right, that we're doing now. Hopefully, there's somebody out there, even one fucking person is going to hear this and go, hey, man, you know what? If that motherfucking asshole, John Joseph, can fucking change, anybody can. Welcome to this week's podcast. We are most grateful for your attention. My name is David Kevin Michael Flynn. Stephen James Donald Flynn here. Welcome well. aboard. We're okay. delighted to have you. This week we have an explicit, a raw, an incredibly inspiring fighter. Uh, the wonderful man that is John Joseph from New York City. John, if you had never heard from him, he's an incredible character, has come against all the odds. He grew up in foster homes in New York City in the 70s and 80s, was a crack addict, drug addict on the streets in 13, stabbed, in jail, shot. He's been through it all, lived a serious life, like his backstory is e- ended so... Up, ended up, you know, he was abused as a child, ended up being the lead singer of the Cro-Mags, which are one of the kind of most influential punk bands back in the, the 80s. Uh, phenomenal character, he's really... And now he's a wonderful advocate for plant-based living and for iron men. And yeah, he managed being to... being the best version of yourself. Back in the 80s, he managed to come across... Uh, plant-based living and he had changed his diet he got into spirituality he got into iron man competitions and now he's written numbers of books on it he's an advocate he's written a, a number of books which really speak to different people his backstory is just so like his story of transformation of coming from as he says he's come from the bottom of the bottom if he can change and show up and recover from all his drug addiction and be who he is today it's just such a story of transformation inspiration He's an incredible voice, and I really hope you enjoy this. And one thing, if you are sensitive to... Uh, Bad language. Uh, strong language, and John speaks with a very visceral tongue, so I'd maybe skip this episode or make sure there's no kids around. Um, so but that's who he is. He's un- unapologetic John Joseph. He shows he's up. raw. He's anyway, just... we've given you enough here. Before we get into today's podcast, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. Okay, your gut is one of the most important aspects of a healthy body. It's where 70% of your immune system is based. It's where lots of your happy hormone serotonin is made. It influences your moods, your mental health. And 70% of people who struggle with IBS, generally the main cause of this is down to stress. On that note, we have just created a Good Health Revolution course, a four-week course, which we partnered with consultant gastroenterologist, Dr. Alan Desmond, a dietitian. We've got a nutrition, holistic nutritionist that specializes in mindfulness. We've put together this online course, four-week course, starts October the 1st. We're doing it at 40% off, 79 euro. Check out thehappypair.ie for more details. Woo! Which, I can't tell which one of you guys got married. Me! I got oh, married on Saturday. Well, yeah. Welcome to his honeymoon, John Joseph. Yeah, you're part of the Oh, man. I, I feel honored that uh, I'll be the honeymoon guest. <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I got married in the house. It was great fun. We had a, a wedding in the garden. My, bro- oh, nice. my younger my younger brother, uh, he acted as the priest. Like, it was, there was no priest. Or, like, he was the, the, the master of, not the master of ceremony. He was a celebrant, celebrant of yeah. sorts. And it was a lovely oh, ceremony. Right. My daughters gave a speech and a friend gave a poem and it was, it was beautiful. I and was the, the chef. I was out. the pizza chef. Shawnee was pizza chef. Sarah, Sarah was the MC. So we all I had a I saw the pictures, man. I was like, all right. Yeah, it was, it was great, great fun. fun. Good crack. 
crack really... as you know means fun in Irish so it was... oh yeah yeah I know crack can mean lots of things in your world other things so, in New yeah. York City it has another meaning yeah. yes 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 I know so how are you doing I saw at the weekend you, you did a try an Iron Man and your jellyfish got you or something well yeah I got stung up but you know uh, I had an old injury like from about three three months ago maybe a little more I tore my hamstring so I just, uh, you know, I had another race that I had to cancel and defer to the weekend after. I, I'm supposed to be doing Chattanooga this weekend. So I had back-to-back -back races and um, I just thought I could get through it, but I wasn't able to, you know, I, I did about half of the training load I'm supposed to do. You know, I would train for a couple of days and then the hamstring would flare up. I have, I would have to do nothing for like two or three days. I just figured I could uh, get my way through it. And, you know, but uh, I your got way the swim it. done. I got stung by a bunch of jellyfish bad. And then uh, on the bike, uh, you know, I did the 2.4 mile swim and then the bike about uh, 70, 80 miles in and the hamstring started like, really bothering me and it got bad so i came off the bike 112 miles and then i was like all right let me just walk jog the marathon but eight miles into that i was like i gotta shut it down you know the last thing my girl said was you better not get injured if you you know you, if you feel that thing bothering you stop you're not getting you're not a professional athlete you know you just Everything has a lesson and it's a takeaway. And, uh, you know, my takeaway was listen to my coach. And uh, sometimes you just have to know when to say enough is enough. And um, I really and shouldn't have done that. Ha so, how, how hard is that for you? Because you're the king of grit. You're the king of mental toughness yeah, and resilience. The, the like... most difficult thing to do was to have them take my timing chip off my ankle. I mean, I just... But you know, I can't, I, I only, there was only one other race I never finished and that was uh, Florida Ironman. It was the year that uh, it was 30 degrees uh, in Florida when it's supposed to be 75, 80. And I got hypothermia and the medical team was like, wow. Top but ass. you know, it's, I, I can't sit there and uh, get in a funk. I just got right back to work and, um, you know, it's all mindset. And uh, as long as you have, uh, you know, takeaways that you learn uh, some practical lessons for, I mean, you know, I, I'd had a respectable bike time. I was trying to do like, you know, sick around six hours or maybe a sub six hour because it was a flat course. I did 640, but, uh, you know, it's... It's a long time on a bike. Fair play. Yeah, you'd yeah. Even oh, it's a long, it's a long day. And you know, when I hit seventy something miles, so if you know about cycling on that, like you know, I use a power meter so I know how many watts I'm pushing, and so um, watts means like how much energy yeah, output you're yeah, putting. Yeah, how much it? energy power you're you're emitting. Exerting. You know, so and the with the pedals I use, you're supposed to push down and pull up. It's a full rotation, right? Cause you're locked into the pedal. So you're not just pushing down. 
you put you're pulling up too so you get more power so when i was pulling up i i couldn't pull up on the right on the left side because every time i did i just got this shooting like the hamstring was telling me shut it down so that's wow. you know it what is age? what it is. I'm glad the person that I went with, uh, he finished. He got sick too from the jellyfish, but he walked most of the marathon. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a tough one. But you know, lessons learned and uh, and move on. I got you know more races coming up. I'm moving out of New York, and uh, you know, Oof. just good, moving good out of New York. That's been so. So, what two questions I have there is okay. One, what age are you? 59. 59. Jeez. And how the heck did you get into Iron Man's? And I also want to ask you about, because you kind of just dropped in there subtly, I'm moving out of New York. Because, uh, like, you are completely well, you know, associated. I, I, I'll tell you the history of that Iron Man stuff. You know, it was uh, my, my late uncle that passed away. He was from Italy. And uh, back in the day, we used to always watch, like, I would go cycling with him, Rocco D'Angelo. Like, when I was on the streets and getting arrested and stuff he would come and get me out of the jail and like you know he was kind of like the father I never had you know um when I was out on the street 76 77 like all that and and uh so so he was really into cycling like like old school Italian like and we we went riding a few times you know like back in the day but we used to watch the Paris Roubaix and then like uh, the Tour de France and then he goes, oh, you, you know, come over. Uh, Why World of Sports, they're showing this Iron Man. Like, these guys do this incredible stuff. And I just saw it. And the emotion, like, of these people that were finishing this race. I, it was, I think the first time I saw it was the Iron War between um, Mark Allen and... Uh, Dave Scott or something. I'm blanking on his fucking name right now. But... Um, yeah, so like just the emotion of that whole thing, challenging yourself to that. I, I, I said, I'm going to do that race one day, you know? And this is when you were still like on the streets and on. Oh, yeah. No, whatever. this is like I got I got out of lockup. I went in the Navy. I, I screwed up. I was I went into the military with a lot of, you know, problems from whatever happened to me as a kid. So I was like a drug addict. I had a you know, I was smuggling drugs on my ship from other countries and I had a drug business going in Norfolk and I got caught. So I was looking at, you know, I did two years upstate in Spofford in 78 to 80. And then when I got out, I got, you know, I got in trouble again. So they let me go into the military. So uh, I fucked up in the military and I went AWOL. I took off because they were saying, you know, you could be looking at like, you know, maybe 10 years in Leavenworth, which is like uh, maximum security because I got caught selling uh, A-level narcotics felony, you know, um, to undercover cops. I got set up. So uh, I split and then I was on the streets, but I would go to my uncle's house, you know, to... They he would make, you know, vegan pasta and all that stuff for me. So um, and he was and he was like clean, normal, like you know he had a yeah, job. Yeah, just like a great dude, you know. Rocco, he he was a hairstylist, you know. Uh, he had a he had like a barbershop place in in Jackson Heights, and 
you know, so, you know, coming out of the bad foster home situation and all that, like, I just, he, he always would let us come to the house and, you know, that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's how I got into it. I swore that I would do the race one day and then in, uh, and was it something well, then that it? you always, was it something that you always remembered and something that you kind of was like, that's something that I really want to do? Or was it kind of like, how, how did you like, sorry, I'm going all over the place here, but you strike me as someone that has a very resilient mindset. And it's something that you talk lots about the importance of having positive mental attitude. It's something yeah. that you kind of really espouse and something that you really are. Like, how did you go from kind of coming out of lockup or coming out of jail to suddenly developing this resilient kind of self positive well, um, when I was on the streets, I came back up from Norfolk, uh, Virginia, where I was stationed, and um, I was into the punk rock music, you know. So I had met this band called the Bad Brains in Norfolk, Virginia, while I was in the military. Like, I was the only punk rocker on the whole naval station in Norfolk, Virginia. Like, and it, fucking, I was walking hair. around with Sex Pistols shirts and just craziness, you know, and like a beat up car with an anarchy symbol on it and crash in my car and just, I mean, so drugged out and crazy. Like, so when I left the military and came back up to New York City, the first person I ran into when I, I hitchhiked with this band called The Undead, and Bobby Steele, the guitar player, was in the original Misfits back in the 70s. So I got out of the van, and the first person that was standing there was HR from the Bad Brains, the singer that had kind of been like, you know, telling me about all this stuff. So then I started hanging out with him, and they were into, you know, when I was in the Navy, we went to Jamaica, and then I heard about the ITAL culture, you know, the you know, That's the real the clean, clean plant-based organic living. And it didn't really take with me, but when I moved, I, you know, I came up uh, and was hanging out with the Bad Brains and going to shows and the Beastie Boys and that whole, I mean, this was like late 1980, early 81. So, uh, you know, Big, the Bad Brains did a concert and they was next door was this this whole drug gang, like a very, very dangerous gang on that street in New York City. They had the biggest cocaine heroin spot in the United States. They did contract murders uh, and were ruthless. And um, they can't they didn't want us hanging out. In, in front of the drug spot where the studio was and there was a concert. So they came in there and started like pulling knives on people and slap. And, and I was like, yo, let's get, I can curse, right? Yo, get stuck yeah, in John Joseph. So I told the owner of the studio, I go, let's get these motherfuckers. And he was like, yo, don't do nothing. They're like, they kill people. Like, this is no joke. So the leader of the whole thing went, they ended the concert, everybody spilled out onto the streets and they were beating people up. So the main dude, this guy, crazy Eddie, like real stocky fucking Puerto Rican dude. I wouldn't leave because I took a Quaalude that night, which makes you very violent. You know, the, the gorilla biscuits, they call them. So What's I was called? ready to fight. I didn't give a fuck. So then... Um, He's like, yo, white boy, you can't, you know, you can't hear, like, you hard of hearing? I said, nah, I heard you. I just ain't fucking leaving. Fuck you. 
and he went mm. to stab me and I blocked the knife, threw like a three piece on him, threw him down on the ground, smashed his head off the curb, <laughs> knocked him out. And then the other dudes came at me with knives and I used to wear this like bike chain around my waist for a weapon. Cause that's how New York was like, you would literally have to fight for your life back then. So I got in this chain knife fight with these guys and uh, I ended up getting stabbed and I, I couldn't go down there. They put a KOS on me, which is kill on sight. Like, so nobody would hang out with me except for this one crazy Russian dude who was a black belt in martial arts and came off the streets of Kiev Everybody, what this guy James Contra, everybody else was scared to hang out with me because they're like, if you're with him, they're gonna kill you too. So nobody, and I couldn't even go down to Alphabet City. So then finally I just went down and faced them, and they were like, you know, take them to the building, which that's their compound, which you know what was gonna happen. And then the bad brains came out of the studio and were like, yo, 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 and then they they squashed the beef, right? And then the Puerto Ricans were like, yo, respect, because out of all those motherfuckers, you're the only one that stood up and fought against us. And then we became good friends, me and all them Puerto Rican dudes. But then the Bad Brains let me move in the studio with them. And then that's how it led to me get, this was 81, I got a job at the health food store. I stopped the, eating meat completely. The, yeah, the Bad when, Brains are real clean living like they're kind of clean living kind of like yeah i mean they smoked a lot of ganja but like they didn't you know they got me a job at the health food store and then like i started gaining all the knowledge that health food store was connected to integral yoga institute so i got free yoga classes i was going up into the kitchen learning how to cook ayurvedic with and then they had victorious kovinskis and Ann oh, yeah, from hippocrates coming over there so wow. I just got the whole education to heal, you know, all the shit that I went through being abused as a kid in a foster, in foster homes and all of that stuff. I started really getting into yoga and uh, plant-based diet and all that. Do you still practice yoga today? Do you still do a bit to kind of keep yourself? Not enough. Not enough. Not, not enough. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> That's yeah, one of my things is I, I got to get back more into my flexibility and the stretching and, you know, the yoga. And I've been, you know, I meditate every day. I still, I still chant. Still got my higher <laughs> Krishna deities and, you, you still know, got but going on. from the bad brains, then like uh, I started playing music with the Cro-Mags and then the bad, we went on tour with the bad brains. And at this stage, at I, this stage, at this stage, were you kind of clean? Like when you had kind of met the bad well, brains? Well, what happened, I was still drinking and taking drugs. And then the singer of the bad brains, HR was like, you could come on tour with us, but you can't do drugs. You can't drink. You got to be ITAL, you know, plant-based. And I was already plant-based from, moving in uh working at the health food store but yeah i got off all the intoxication then and it was uh that like that tour we did I, I forget how long it was we went all the way down south it was just the most amazing life-changing experience to be out there performing uh opening up for the bad brains every night and you know talking philosophy it was 
it was real punk rock. It was like revolutionary, like mindset. You know, reading books on philosophy, Gurdjieff, Krishnamurti, Ram Das, reading the Bhagavad Gita, like um, it was just it, it was a different time. Like, like now everybody that's punk rock, like you know, they just think, oh, I could wear the clothes and get the tattoos. But what's not there is the mindset. The revolutionary mindset is not there anymore. Like. Or the the and the revolutionary mindset that we had back then was that of spirituality. It was like the real revolution is within. You know, you're not going to defeat and take down governments, but the only thing that they can't stop is the evolution of somebody's consciousness. So that's where we were coming from. And uh, you know, when I came off that tour, I was really a changed. I really got fired up. I mean, shortly after that, I went and was became a monk for two years, a Hare Krishna monk. So I wanted to live the lifestyle and and this you know. this is this is like the nineties at this stage. So John Joseph had gone through a massive transformation. You got off drugs, you got off alcohol, you were into ITAL, you had found spirituality and philosophy. So you were like, but you still I'd imagine like it's not easy to go cold turkey from your past into this new transformation? Well, you know, my, my teacher Prabhupada always said, you can't artificially give up things in the material world. You know, you can't renounce things unless you get a higher, a higher taste, he used to say, right? So you can't give up intoxication and all this other nonsense and then become a monk. I was a celibate monk for two years. Like, how do you do that unless you're experiencing pleasures on a higher level than the physical. And that's what that was all about. I was getting, I was in bed every night by, by 8 a.m. and up at 2 a.m. doing my sadhana program, my meditation, uh, the classes. And then I was practicing martial arts with another Hare Krishna monk that was like a bad fucking dude. And uh, so, you know, but I just had a calling back to the music. You know, it was like, it, it sounds like a real higher purpose. It was like you found this thing that gave you more meaning, gave you more sense of purpose. It gave you, yeah. it kind of lit you up really. And, and one thing that totally struck me as so different was that, um, you know, when you think of, when I think of uh, punk rock, I think, you know, alcohol, drug, intoxications, it's revolution. But it's interesting that you kind of say it was a lot more about the internal revolution, the sense of spiritual growth, the sense of having a higher purpose as opposed to just, Oh, absolutely. I mean, I came from all of that getting fucked up. I was fucking, sh I shot heroin at 13 years old, you know, like fucking, like, I'm like, it, it wasn't about that for me. Drugs wasn't going to be a part of it because, um, you know, we wasn't rolling, you know, with the- uh, And with how, the how long are you clean now? Huh? How long have you been kind of off drugs and alcohol? Now? Yeah. Since, uh, I, like, uh, 21 years. Wow. But, uh, you know, I was like, I wasn't on drugs at that, that point when I quit, but I, you know, I had a relapse in 1988 after all the shit, like my band member who was supposed to be my best friend robbed the band Harley from the Cro-Mags and fucking, you know, we've been through all this shit together and it was always a team. And then when the band started getting bigger and then Metallica was coming to see us and 
band stuff, you know, we went to Europe. He like ripped off all the money at the end of the tour. And I had, I came, he went and he split in Europe and just disappeared and went on this vacation. And I had to come back and get evicted from my apartment that I had. I was homeless on that Christmas. So I quit the Cro-Mags and then uh, that was 88, right before we recorded the second record. And then like everything, the bottom just dropped out because like I had everything I worked for for years was gone. I mean, the sacrifices that I made, you know, when the Cro-Mags started again in 84, we picked back up. I, we were living in a burnt out building. I was going out to the fire hydrant turning on the fire hydrant uh, in the middle of like January and December and November and taking an ice cold bucket shower, like Wim Hof style and <laughs> living in a building with no electricity, no fucking running water, no nothing. Take an ice cold shower, get on my bike and be a bike messenger, a bike courier for eight hours to pay for the Cro-Mag rehearsals and and the first Cro-Mag recording, and I was setting up the tours for us and all this stuff. And then just to have everything that I was working on be taken from me and backstabbed was the worst part. Cause I'm, a, you know, as far as friendships, like I'm a loyal person, but that's why I take it so personally when somebody who's supposed to be a friend of mine commits a treasonous act toward me I do not deal well with that. So um, I quit the band and then I took up with this, this dude and we went to Florida and um, I started getting into free basing and, you know, which was the, the rich man's uh, crack, you know? So it started with that. The first time I ever free based, these guys were Cuban in Miami and like just the story, the stories what's, are what's insane. And, huh? What's cubing me? You know, free base. It was free base. Free basing cocaine. That oh, means okay. like okay. Gotcha. you, you boil water, you put the cocaine in there with baking soda and it turns into rock cocaine and then you smoke it. Wow. So that's what Richard Pryor was doing. And, but then crack came about and that was the, poor man's free base because free basing cocaine you're taking a big thing of cocaine and shrinking it down to you know but the thing was the first time this dude stole two kilos from the cuban cartel and we stayed at his house and after free basing for two days i'm sleeping in the house and the, and they came at five o'clock in the morning and shot up the whole house with two ar-15s and like tried to kill everybody in the house. That was my first drug experience with freebasing. And then it just went south from there because came back to New York. I started robbing drug dealers. Jeez, uh, you know, Joseph, you've got like, you've got the most, for us that have lived in a small little town in Ireland, like your life sounds like a movie or multiple movies. Like it really, really does. And now you're like, a, now you're a meditating, going to bed early, Yoga in Iron Man. Yeah. Wow. This okay, is becoming evolution a of a chrome. That's the memoir. 
It's becoming a movie. Your book is. It's not surprising at all when I hear some of it. Oh, you know, that, I didn't even tell you like the foster home shit, like all the crazy shit that we had to go through as kids, and my father trying to murder my mother. My pops was from Ireland. He was a he was a he was a, a fighter, boxer. So I mean, that's why this whole shit spun out of control was because of what he did to my mother. Like I didn't even find out till I was forty something years old that. I was conceived because she left him and then he broke into the house and raped her. And then, you know, her being Irish Catholic, she was like, you know, I'm not going to kill my child, even though they were still married, but she left him. But it, you know, it's, it's so much craziness, but uh, even the drug, can I move? Can we, Can I move on to? Because I know you've written new books, and I definitely want to talk about them. Because your your history we could talk about for about for so many hours. Because it yeah. is like amazing and gripping. But I know you've got incredible books that I know lots of people listening would be very interested in. So I'd love you to tell us about your books. Because I know one of the ones, like the first one we came across was Meet, Meet, is, for Meet is for Pussies, which is a very kind of like you know a contentious title. And I remember a friend of mine who was certainly not vegan in any sense. He got your book. And it spoke to him and like, it really spoke to men, friends that we had that were men that were not into vegan at all. And they suddenly came to me going, have you read this book? It's amazing. And it kind of like, and and this was in Ireland. It has a very beautiful cover, at least the edition that I got. It was very beautiful. It was nice indentation. It was kind of the brand cover. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the hardcover. It was. uh, And the foreword by Rich Rowe. That uh, that book actually won a design award uh, at the, the book fair. Uh, at the Javits Center, it won best nonfiction design. So surprise me. It was my beautiful. friend, this guy Todd, uh, designed the book. But yeah, you know what it is. It's um, that particular book. I just, you know, I've I've converted thousands of people to doing a plant based diet in my life, and. You know, I, I have a certain vernacular coming from New York City and the way I talk and tell motherfuckers like, yo, man, you think like, you know, you're fucking all macho and shit because you fucking support, you know, animal slaughter and all this shit. And, and surprisingly enough, a majority of the people that bought that book, Meat is for Pussies, were women who bought the book for their dudes because they're like, this guy speaks your language. And then like, they'd be like, you know, no offense to all the other people, but they're like, yeah, man, like most of those fucking dudes that are trying to fucking tell you to go vegan or whatever the fuck, like I would never listen to them. Like, so like it was really instrumental for a lot of people uh, ditching some bad food. Um, But it wasn't a vegan book because it went much deeper. It talked about the corruption in the food industry uh, with the USDA, the FDA, uh, you know, it got into a lot of other subjects, not just about, um, you know, it got into like the fluoride in the water. It got into like Codex Alimentarius, where the drug companies take over the medical system and the, and, and the whole thing. A lot of what we see going on today is Codex. So I did a lot of research into the book so it, it, it hit on a lot of topics and then there was great recipes in the back and after that this was the next book that came out the pma effect 
which is really about mindset is about like yeah you know it's the, well, it's your I, you philosophy know, what, what makes people tick that get their shit done under any and all circumstances and it's mindset you know that's what i had to um develop Coming from where I came from, uh, you know, we spent six years in, in, in like one of the worst abusive foster homes, um, me and my two brothers as kids, and literally having to steal the dog's food to eat and like physical, all kinds of, you know, bad things were happening in there. So there was a lot of scars that I didn't really deal with. And that's why through my life, when shit would go south, especially betrayal of somebody, I don't take it well. And it would send me off to do things which weren't beneficial to myself. So, you know, the PMA effect, that's one of the things that, uh, HR from the Bad Brains talked about to me the first time because they had this song, Attitude. Don't care what they may say, we got that attitude. Don't care what people may do, we got that attitude. Yeah, we got that PMA. Yeah, we got that PMA. Positive mental attitude. And one of the things that I learned is from my writing teacher, Robert McKee, was that it's not what happens to a person, it's what they do as a result of it. So everybody's going through shit, especially right now with all of this madness that's going on in the entire world with this COVID shit. So um, governments overstepping their boundaries and this fucking crazy shit, but it's not, this is a war of attrition. That's what life is. It's not about, it's getting up every day and winning those inner battles every single day. Right. And how do you do that? You, you take action. You take positive action. That's my, my guru. Prabhupada said, we don't want armchair philosophers. There's so many people for so many years that talk so much shit. Right. And then when the pressure is applied, you see who's who. And I learned that from the streets. It's always the big mouth that's going to get knocked out first. It's always the dude running his mouth. That's why they say empty barrels make the most noise. And then it's the quiet, like my friend who like he's he's with the State Department now. He's a highly trained, trained with all the special forces guys. He protects diplomats. He was always the quietest dude. And that was the one you needed to watch out for because he was he's a killer. He's a world class martial artist. So that's where the mindset stuff came into. Uh, and I was like, and then John, for anyone listening, like about PMA, how, 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 like what are practical things that people can do to improve their kind of PMA, their positive mental attitude or their sense of resilience? Because well, it sounds well, like you've you been... know, the, 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 one of the things I always said is avoidance of shitty food and shitty people will get you a long way. Good right? philosophy. So that's a great philosophy because like, you know, people that are always negative and making excuses and um, and and blaming their shit on everybody else, which is what, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I did that too. Oh, it was you know, I'm like this because of my mother, you know, because I had to go through all this shit and like you know this and that and the other thing. But 
that one of the chapters in there is to, ex to, to, to accept the blame and take responsibility. You have to take responsibility every single day. And, and now I have a coaching business going. Uh, I do uh, mindset coaching and stuff like that. I started a business and that's one of the things uh, it's time management every single day. Like you should try to live, you know, a structured life. And what does, you what know, does an like, average, what does an average John Joseph day look like? Like what do you have a structured day that you go about most days? Yeah. I mean, if I'm training, you know, I get up early, uh, I do some meditation, I chant a little bit, I answer my emails, I do some reading, I do my whatever. And then I, I train and whatever new projects I got clients. I mean, I'm just, I'm just grinding. You know, all day, every day. In a good way, because another way, grinding to me is synonymous with like, you know, working hard and no fun and no play. Because yeah. like, I think I think there's a well, balance between it all in my own experience. Not, you know, working hard is we should all work hard. But what do we work like? You know, it just hit me the other day. I was walking my dog and it was like seven in the morning. And these two like 70 something year old dudes in business suits could barely walk. And they're, you know, they're dragging their ass to a fucking job that they hate. There was no joy in these people's that's human life is not meant for that. Prabhupada said human life is not meant to be just wasted away on like it's it's one thing to work hard. But what are you working hard for? You know, and that without some type of spirituality, you know, the animals are eating, sleeping, mating and defending. If that's all you're doing in this life with your human life, you're wasting it. And you're no better than a polished animal. It's it's that higher consciousness. Just like the reason, you know, I saw um, Frederick Weissman's movie right? It called me. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. No. So Frederick Weissman did. Yeah. Un, you guys need to Google that. It's called me. And Frederick Weissman did documentaries where he never talked. There was no voiceover. He just showed the pit. Like he did this one documentary called Titty Cut Follies. And he went into an insane asylum and just filmed. Right. So that's what he did with me. The film opens on a horse in a field and it's cold and the breath is just coming out of its flared nostrils. And then the camera pulls back and there's a cowboy on that horse. And then it pulls back and then there's other cowboys and horses. And then it pulls back and they're loading cows into these trucks. And then it takes a close-up on the cow's eyes and the fear I saw this in 1980 and then they take you through the store, the slaughterhouse line of what they do and how these animals fought to survive and not want to be killed. And that shit hit me so deep because I saw people as a kid get murdered in front of me. I saw, I, I had people try to murder me. I grew up in violence. So that's the thing about the humans. We have that ability to have compassion, right? And when I saw that, I was like, 
I fucking don't want anything to do with supporting that industry that's doing that to animals. So that's a part of the human that humans can have compassion like that, right? We're free to choose what we want to do. We have free will. Are we going to do the right thing or the wrong thing, right? And look where the wrong things have gotten us. Look where this planet is, destroying the planet, destroying each other's wars, all of this insanity that's going on right now could all be eradicated if human beings live to their highest potential of practicing a spiritual practice, whatever it is. I don't say religion because a lot of the religion is dogma where they say, if you don't worship what we worship, especially in Ireland, it's like, you know, the Irish Catholics and, you know, it's like spirituality is a different thing. It's, it's, you know, Prabhupada always said, whatever path you're on, be the best devotee on that path, right? Yeah, that's nice. Like, why don't these Christians act in such a way that Jesus would be pleased? The Christians maintain the biggest slaughterhouses in America. They're doing all this crazy shit. Halal meat, the Jewish kosher meat. Oh, okay, we're going to hang this animal upside down and it's going to choke on its own blood. And then God's going to accept that. That's bullshit. That's Kali Yuga. And in the Kali Yuga, the age we're in, people take irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion. So I don't, I don't partake in any of that. But if human beings just tried to live up to their potential and practice compassion toward each other, toward animals, to, toward all this stuff, and, you know, Stop getting fucked up on pills and all. I mean, we have such an epidemic. So, of- so part of, so a huge part of your philosophy is really about health. It's about like health, like looking after your body, being compassionate towards animals, making sure that you are showing up every day. Like a huge part of John Joseph's philosophy, PMA, is show up. You can't get away from it. You got to be responsible. You know, put in the work in terms of physical, in terms of your mental health. And surround yourself yeah. with good people. And surround yourself and face- with good people and face the fears that you have in this life, you know? Um, And it's also about service to other people because I practice bhakti yoga, the Van Ashram Dharma. It's always about serving other people. So I've fed the homeless. I've set up charities. I opened up a yoga center. When you tell that that story about setting up that that yoga center, remember you told us once before and it was phenomenal. Yeah, no, I built, I did the construction. I financed it. um, I, I maintained it. You know, like my mother flipped out because she was like, you know, I spent probably $400,000 between opening the place up and keeping it open, you know, $4,000 a month for 10 years. Um, And then, you know, paying for the food that we fed to people. But, you know, my mother didn't understand. She said, you could have had a down payment. You could have owned the house for what you spent. And I said, yeah, but there's a lot of people that live in big houses that are lonely, that are miserable. And then I said, come to the Sunday. You know, they called it the Sunday love feast. Prabhupada set that up in the 60s. And she came to the Sunday feast and just saw all the people that were ha- that were helped out from the yoga and the free vegetarian food and the philosophy and, ha- and people told her, this place changed my life. This place saved my life. I was fucked up. 
and I started coming here and I could associate with other people. The Sangan in Sanskrit means association. Who we take association with is who we're going to take on the qualities of the people that we hang out with. That's why if you hang out with drug addicts, you're going to fucking do. It's inevitable. So after my mother left from the feast that Sunday, she said, I'll never ask you that again. Now I know why you opened up this place. So the philosophy is to, to always be there as service for other people, right? But it's also, you work, it, you work hard, you, you get your stuff done under any and all circumstances. You don't make excuses. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a work in progress, believe me. I still got a lot of shit that uh, I have to deal with and work out. Um, Who isn't? We all do. We all yeah. are. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You, you said something at the very start when we started chatting. You said, I'm moving out of New York. And you just yeah. sprinkled that in there like it was an everyday type thing. Now, well, talk <laughs> to us about that. Given that you are like you grew up in New York when it was Alphabet City, you, you knew. When anyone, when anyone thinks of John Joseph, it, the word New York comes to mind, the streets of New York. Yeah. Well, you know, for right now, I can't deal with this craziness that's going on. Um, you have a mayor in this city who is just fucking, he's, he's out of control. And, uh, you know, the reason I'm doing it too is because, like, you know, it, it, it's several reasons, but it's, it's, it's what's going on right now. Like in New York, you, you have to be vaccinated to fucking, you know, I don't tell anybody what to do. If you want to take that thing, you go ahead and take it. But the fact that they banned me from going to the gym or the, any restaurant or the theater or my swimming pool or nightclubs or anything uh, because I didn't take the vaccine, which, you know, if I tell people, listen, if you want, my mom took the vaccine, my other brother took, the, I don't tell people what to do. That's not my job, but I know what's right for me. And, and I know what, and my girl knows what's right for her. And it's, there's no reason for us to take that. And the fact of the matter is everybody that took that is now two shots in and they're still getting covid but they're allowed to go into anything they want to do because they have a vaccine passport and I'm not allowed to, to go anywhere, not even with a COVID test. I can't even say, here's a COVID test, I'm negative. So that's why I don't want to live under these circumstances. And plus, you know, I want to train year round. Uh, it's, it gets so brutal here. We were planning on moving anyway, like, we were talking about it because the winters here are just, it's like three months. You can't, I'm just, I'm an outdoor person. I like, you know, being in the sun and, and, and swimming and doing all this stuff. And where, where are you going to move? Where yeah. are you planning on moving to? Down uh, in by a little North of Miami, you know? Oh, so where the sun does so, shine. Yeah. And then my friends own restaurants down there. It's just, my whole band is down there. So, uh, you know, we're, it, it was just, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying it's permanent, but I'm just saying for right now with all the craziness that's going on in the city, like. Changes, uh, change can be good. Huh? Ch change is inevitable and change can be good. You know, yeah, it, like, that's, that's, it really that's, freshens uh, things you know, up that's, and an that's opportunity. What it is. I mean, I mean, I'm not, listen, we were probably going to do this down the road anyway, but the fact of what, 
has gone on in this city. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this dude is like, we tried to give you things and be nice. Yeah, what'd you give people? Big Macs and French fries and sodas and joints to like, and, and, and now he says the gloves are off and like, you know, banning you from going in all these places. Listen, I like I said, I don't tell anybody what to do. I don't need that fucking vaccine. And I'm not taking it. And that's just the way I live my life. I mean, you know, uh, my immune system works. Um, and if you if you took the shot, then it should protect you and you shouldn't be worried about what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, it's a big change, but I welcome it. That's what life is always about. One day we're going to be kicked out of these bodies. Uh, you know, and uh, you I know, like that one day we're going to be kicked out, of these out into the unknown and, and, and be willing to uh, change situations in your life. And I, and I, I know like on a, on a completely different note, like Miami, I remember being there a few times. The weather's beautiful. There's lots of positive people. We met some people that are lovely vegan plant-based restaurants. There was a couple of them. Down yeah. There Diego well. Tassani, he owns yeah. like, uh, the uh, Love Life Cafes and all that. He has three restaurants. He's opening up this whole wellness center. He's got uh, some big stuff going on. So like, you know, and the cost of living, that's the other thing. I'm getting like a huge apartment for what I'm paying here for like a shoebox. And we have, we have the pit bull, we rescued a dog. So it's just like, it just makes sense to, to get, you know, you're getting uh, nicer weather. <laughs> You're getting a bigger apartment, like, you know, so all of that stuff. And a taken. change, and a change, a change can be great. You know, really can. You, you've got, see, so you, I know you've got, okay, so you've got Meters for Pussies, you've got PMA, and I know you've got more more recent books. Hardcore Un, Kitchen and Unfuck, unfuck your, your Health. health. Beautiful ones. Unfuck one. your fucking health, lads. <laughs> there we go. Listen, Those are your two more recent ones. This book right here, and the forward was written by Dr. Joel Kahn. This is meat is for pussies on steroids. <laughs> wow. I mean, it covers a lot of stuff. And uh, all the questions, I cover fasting. 21 dumb arguments against the plant-based diet. I like it. The book's very much in your tone. I like yes. that job. And then it's like stuff like plants have feelings too, man. Oh, the epitome of utter bullshit. Plants do not, in fact, possess any form of higher cognition and do not feel pain because you guessed it. They don't have a nervous system. <laughs> so, like, one. it's always the questions everybody, this just covers everything. Like, and those, those, those two books you published yourself. So you kind of went through the full yeah. process and you literally, because I've seen photos of you or stories of you where you're literally going to the post office with boxes of books and you're shipping them out. So you're your own publisher. You're the district. Dis oh, look, there we go. Just out of shop. We've got loads <laughs> of books. Get ready to do another run. There Good we go. Yeah, well, because, uh, listen, you know, you got fucking Jeff Bezos going to the fucking uh, outer space on my money, you know, like, fucking Amazon was taking like over 70% of my money. So I'm like, why the fuck am I giving this guy my money? Like, I'm just going to self-publish this shit and it's only going to be, 
You know, I don't know if you guys know uh, Ian Mackay from Minor Threat, and then he was in Fugazi, and I called him no. up for his birthday, and then we were talking, and and he runs Discord Records and books, and he's like, I don't put any of my stuff on Amazon because they're thieves. They take all your money, and uh, just to have it up there, and he goes, every the only place you could get my stuff is on our website. So then I was like, bing, all right, that's what I'm going to do with these two new books. And listen, it's a full-time job. I spend hours every day fucking filling out orders. I sign every single book. So And, and you know, people want messages written in there. So it's a very hands-on thing, but it's so fulfilling because it's my own, it's my own business. It's, you know, like I said, I got two books. I'm working on another book. And then... Um, I got the mindset coaching stuff going and and is that is that know, going all right the mindset coaching like are you do you find your clients are more men or women or all different people I've had clients who had 20 million dollar construction companies and athletes and all kinds of you know both men and women it's it's the message uh of the you know I I, I teach it's my what I teach is is discipline right? That's my niche. So I went to school and did all of that stuff to get the certifications. And um, I just saw that a lot of the life, they call them life coaches. It was all like Birkenstocks and, you know, patchouli oil and smoothies. I'm like, that's not my fucking thing. I'm going to fucking tell you. I never would have guessed this. I never would have guessed this. I said, and my, my friend goes, you know, you're one of the most disciplined people I know. That's your niche is discipline. And I was like, so then my girl sat down with me and said, all right, what are the, what are the principles that you teach that you adhere to in your life? And I'm like, well, let's go through it. Time management, uh, like the different, there's a 10 step process. So I'm also writing a book on that about this, you know, uh, a book on discipline and mindset um, and taking the process and breaking it down. I'm doing a book on addiction. So, and then I'm writing a children's cookbook. So, I mean, you know, oh, wow. I got hired to write a TV show about the Lower East Side. Finally, after, this is why I tell people never give up. I started writing scripts 1990 when I came off drugs, right? That's 31 years. I came this close. So if you saw Breaking Bad, I submitted a script to that guy's Vince Gilligan's agent at ICM, right? And his name is Howie Tannenbaum. He's a famous Hollywood fucking agent. He read my script that I wrote. I was involved in the angel dust trade. That's how I got shot in the leg in 78. That's That was the last thing before I got locked up. But it was the most brutal time in New York because people were smoking PCP, angel dust, and murdering people and like just craziness. So I wrote a pilot about the, un the undercover detective that took down the angel dust trade, this real guy. And it, and it mixed my stories in there with his. And it got me... Like this was, I don't know, five or six years ago. And it got me noticed by this big time Hollywood agent. 
And he was like, listen, get a job writing on a TV show and get some credits under your belt and then you'll be able to pitch your stuff. So I just landed my first, uh, my friend who's doing the Mayans right now, which was a spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he's from the music scene. He's a tough fucking son of a bitch. His brother is Jocko Willing, the Navy oh, wow, SEAL guy. Yeah. Okay. And Elgin was a gang member. They sound member. like your kind of people. He went to prison. Like, he wrote his first script in prison. Like, he's the real fucking deal. And the thing I love about it is he paid it forward. Somebody helped him. And now he turned around and said, man, I love your writing. I gave him this other script that I wrote. He's like, man, and then he knew my history from the Lower East Side. So we sat down and chopped up some stories and he pitched it and they picked it up. So, you know, he, he was like, listen, I want to, you know, um, pay forward what people did for me. I want to help you. So that's a real that's a real dude. That's a real motherfucker right there. And uh, so, yeah, you've, we're, you've, we're, you've you have a know, lot going on. It's multiple things. I got multiple irons in the fire. You have to be a hustler now. So many people with college degrees are out of work, right? And I always say that you need book smarts, but you need street smarts. You know, you need to know how, you need to be a fucking survivor. You need to know how to survive out here in this fucking world, this day and age. It ain't just about getting a, you know, going to college and get the degree and then you're all right. Yeah. Okay. That's fucking that, that whole shit is done as far as I'm concerned. Um, because, you know, I'm now coaching people who are out of work because they have college, you know, and trying to figure out their situation. So, um, just, it's always about hustling. It's about the hustle and, you know, not burning bridges, being a good person, and uh, back you know, to that's, basics. That's my uh, that's my philosophy every day, man. I don't got I don't got to look over my shoulder that somebody's coming for me because I did some fucked up shit, like what I was doing in the eighties. You know, like it's just not. You keep it I just, clean. I had to You're... say, listen, I don't want to live that life anymore. And anybody that's struggling with drugs and alcohol. It just takes that day one to say, that's it, man. Like, you know, people talk about rock bottom. You know what I said? I was below the fucking rocks. I was with the fucking maggots and the worms and the fucking dead carcasses. Like, I literally had no less than five fucking drug gangs in New York wanting to kill me. I burned every bridge. Um, I had nothing. And... I was in a fucking crack house and I got hit in the back of the head with a pipe and they robbed the last little bit of money and everything I had. And I was sitting out in the pouring rain, homeless, everything gone. And I had to build up from there. And what that took was one day, the next day saying, I'm not going to get high today. I'm not going to get high today. And I had to walk. I didn't go to a drug rehab because I was uh, I was still had federal warrants for my arrest. I couldn't I was AWOL still. I couldn't go to fucking drug rehabs and do all this stuff. I had to walk past all the drug spots, all all the crackheads smoking crack, you know, doing whatever. So that was a different kind of mindset 
you, I couldn't extricate myself from the situation and be tucked away somewhere. I had to face my fucking demons head on. And that's what people need to do. You can't run from it. You got to face it. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever you went through, that's my message to people. I'm like, you got to fucking, you got to deal with it. You can't run from it. And that's what I, that's what I had to do. I had to walk every day when I smelt that crack, I, I would get that rush and be like, just fucking, just go get a few fucking jumbos. You know, the big vials of crack. And that was the real test. Because I know a lot of people, they keep going away to rehabs. They come out, they relapse. It's this constant revolving door. I mean, look, we just did this band Blood Clot about three years ago. We put our fucking record out. Uh, I had Joey Castillo and Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age in the band, the drummer and bass player. And this guy, Todd, who was a famous guitar player, played with everybody, Johnny Cash, Danzig, like everybody, Motorhead. We made this record. It charted in the metal uh, shit. Our tour was packed. He fucking, his wife said she didn't want to be with him anymore. He relapses. He does a bag of heroin that has fentanyl in it and dies. So like, my first girlfriend died of a fucking heroin overdose. Like, Pete, this is real shit. People are fucking dying. They're not even reporting because of all this shit that's gone on in the last two years. The depression and the overdoses of drugs are fucking insane. And, then, and, and, and the prescriptions being fulfilled for depression. You know, the psychotropic fucking drugs right now they're making more money than they've ever fucking made during this shit right now. Because when the, you know, it's my writing teacher always told me something. He said that true character is only revealed under pressure. The greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of true character. Everybody wears a mask in public who they want everybody to think who they are, right? The, what, the thing that takes that mask off is the pressure. And we've seen pressure, many of us, like we've never, I mean, for me, it's a, it's another, it's a walk in the fucking park. I had motherfuckers <laughs> trying to take my life and that no joke. I had people trying to kill me. So what's happened in the last year is just another fucking in the last 18, 19 months. It's another walk in the park for me. But unfortunately, some people have never been tested like they're being tested now. Right. And a lot of people that I know took to prescription medications for depression and all this other shit. The prescriptions that it's, it's through the fucking roof. It's astronomical how many people are on, are on fucking uh, behavioral meds now, right? But it doesn't have to be like that. You could, you know, that's, it's like they say in the Marine Corps, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So... You just got to show up every day and put the hard work in, man, and not, you know, I never once in my fucking life, no matter what I was going through, ever thought about taking my own life. Not once. That's it. That's... Even when I was locked up in the worst fucking uh, facility for, uh, in the South Bronx, 
Spofford. Motherfuckers trying to kill you in there because you're the only white person. And Roots is on TV. You know, and the five percenters of the nation of Islam call white people devils and you had a target. And I'm the, I'm 16 years old. I'm the only white kid in this whole fucking prison. I still never fuck. I always been a fighter, man. If I got anything from my pops from Ireland, he was from Donegal, his family. That's what I got from him is to fucking fight and never fucking give up. And that's the message. The last thing that I wrote in the evolution of a Cro-Magnon is what? <laughs> Keep on swinging. We have to live by the code of the true warrior. Never give up. You don't fucking quit. That's why in this book, <clears throat> I picked the brains of some of the most elite men and women on the planet in sports business. I, I interviewed my friend who's in, who just retired 20 years out of the Navy SEALs. This guy trained SEALs, so that tells you how bad a motherfucker he is. And you're, it's, you're, a, you're a powerful man. You really are. Jesus. Well, it's just your you story know, I, of transformation. I, 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 you is know incredible. what it is? It's not for me. I've I've been able to come in contact with powerful people and learn the lessons. And that sits right by my desk every day. The Bhagavad Gita as it is by Prabhupada. And, um, you know, it, it's, like I said, you want to hang out with people that are, have good qualities in life so that, you know, you can learn from them. It's like, you don't walk into a martial arts school and, and start talking shit and acting like you're a badass because you're going to get fucked up. They're going to make an example out of you. When you approach a teacher in martial arts or school or even spirituality, it's supposed to be submissively. It's supposed to be with humility. That's what we used to say in the dojo. We would bow and say, please teach me. We didn't walk in and act like we're the baddest motherfucker on two legs because that fucking... Ron Van Cleef or any of the people I studied with, they would fuck you up. Jeez. It's a different yeah. world now. If you mouthed off the teachers back in the day, you would get fucking cracked across the fucking mouth. In the military too. Now it's whole, you know, this whole PC cult, oh, you know, don't, don't hurt their feelings. It's producing a very weak um, strain of human beings because human beings we have the four defects we have the tendency to cheat we make mistakes we're illusion and uh we have imperfect senses so when i started reading Prabhupada's books and he was explaining in the bhagavad gita like and all the srimad bhagavatam and the ishapanishads all of that stuff resonated with me on a on such a deep level on how to fix my broken shit that I, you know, my, my, this, this broken life that I had, which, you know, it, I mean, when, when that book came out, that memoir, people thought I made that shit up. People yeah. Well, even, like, even, even here, there's no fucking way that you did all this shit. Even, even hearing said, your story, even hearing your story, it sounds like, you know, 
20 different movies attached together. It doesn't even yeah. like there's so much in it that like your life is so full of the depths of life in all the various forms of it. So it's, I can understand why people struggle. And here I am in 2021 sitting down with the happy pair. I know. <laughs> what the hell? What, what the like... fuck are the odds of that, man? <laughs> I know. I feel like you see what I'm saying? We don't here. know. Listen, what are the odds that somebody from my path and your path would ever have our paths cross? That's the beauty of life. I totally agree. Meeting all these amazing human beings and that I've got to meet throughout my life, whether it's been the music or the plant-based community or the training, just like I just did this fucking race down in Maryland. And even though I was fucking suffering like a dog, I had people running by me. Come on, John Joseph, PMA, like fucking, you know, inspiring me to keep going until I, until I fully hit the wall. But there's so many amazing human beings out there. Like, on this planet and you know even like i just ran into one of the hitmen that fought me that night and he uh well he knew the guys but he was older than me he's 60 he just got out of prison eight years he's like yeah they shot me up his whole fucking stomach was like they they fucking had to pull out his guts and shit he got shot I'm like, none of the people that I ran the streets with back then really lived. They fucking, they're, they're addicts. They're fucking, they died. They were murdered. They're in fucking prison. Wow. Why is it that I'm here doing what I'm doing? And it's, wow. I say 100%, it's, it's because of this, you know, the, the spiritual teachings and PMA and the PMA and the diet and all of that stuff, man. And it's meeting people and learning from them. See, that's what my aunt in Ireland and Betty Burke used to say. And she was you got two fucking ears and, and one mouth. So you should be fucking listening twice as much as what you're talking. <laughs> I think that's a good Shut place to land the ship. <laughs> I think that's a good place. John, you're brilliant. You really, really are. You're like, as I said, you're like your story is of transformation from where you've come from to where you are today is like it's hard to get your my brain around it. Like it really is. Well, so. here's what I tell people. And you know what I tell people? Anybody can do it. I don't give a fuck what you're going through. I walk through fucking hell. And, and, and unfortunately, my older brother's plant-based too. My mother's plant-based now. Like all the shit that happened to us. But my younger brother decides to self-medicate. So he just had another operation for a fucking, all the shit he's dealing with and comas and relapsing. His wife died in his arms two years ago from an overdose. Like, I'm choosing every fucking day the path that I want to walk. That's the thing. It's about choice. We have choice. And every day we wake up, we have to fucking beat our mind with a shoe. Right? And say, how do we want to live today? I could wake up and be like, oh, these motherfuckers, their vaccine passports, now I got to move. I'm like, 
I don't give a fuck. Keep, keep throwing shit at me. Come on, let's go. How much you got? Let's see what you, let's see what you can do. And I'm going to fucking keep fighting. And that's all it is. Everybody has to keep fighting the demons. We all got them. You know, but learn from people. When you're around people that have knowledge, shut the fuck up and listen to them. As Betty right? Burke said. And then apply that knowledge. That's the difference. That's why Prabhupada said we don't want armchair philosophers. It's not that I read all these books and then they sit on the bookshelf. It's I read all these books and I'm applying the knowledge that I learned. And that's the first thing that I said in this book. You can read this book. PMA effect, put it on the fucking shelf and said, yeah, I read that book. That's not what that book is about. This book is about applying everything that's being taught in the book. And if you do that, I got fucking news for you, man. You're going to fucking change from any bad shit you got going on in your life. Because that's what I tell people. If my fucked up self was able to do what I've done, and overcome so much and still fight every single day. Every day I got to deal with shit. It's not like, that's why I always say, I'm a work in progress, man. You know, but what's the alternative? Being an addict, having near-death experiences, being depressed, being a, 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 a fucking miserable person to other people, treating people with disrespect. You know, that's one of the things that I say too. Everything's a tool, just like social media, right? You can use social media to be an asshole to people and talk shit and be negative, or you can use it to spread positivity, just like the podcast, right? That we're doing now. Hopefully, there's somebody out there, even one fucking person's gonna hear this and go, hey, man, you know what? If that motherfucking asshole, John Joseph, can fucking change, anybody can. Woohoo! Here, here. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think I think that's a lovely place to to park this. I think like you're oh, amazing. Oh, calling Ch- myself an asshole, really? That's no, what you end- <laughs> no. But I know we got to end this, and I just think like that exactly yeah. what you said. The capacity to change, everyone has the capacity to change in every moment. And if you can do it, as you said, you've been to hell. You were down there below the soil, below the bottom of the barrel, and you've risen. And here you are, showing up every yeah. day fighting. So I think I well, admire you greatly. Uh, you know, and there's so many. Great examples of that, of people doing exactly that, too. We all have friends that overcame alcohol addictions. You know, the whole, you know, so many people, man, have been through so many things. But I just think my final message is let's work together to make the planet and let's work together to heal each other. Stop this fucking competition and this fucking putting people down and all this negativity that's going on now. That shit's got to stop. We got to work together to fix the situation of what's going on on the planet. You know, yeah, it, yeah. that's only going to happen through cooperation. That's why Prabhupada said, you'll show your love for me by how you cooperate after my departure. That's, it's, we have to cooperate together. Stop letting politics and all this other shit divide us. Religion, politics... There's so many things that we could fucking get at each other's throat about. 
but we have to do things for the for the greater good. We're custodians of this planet. How are we leaving this planet for these young kids that's coming up now and the future generations to be born? Everything, we have to accept responsibility for our day-to-day -day life and actions. And it does come down to grassroots. Nobody fucking knew this shit when I started doing it in 81. Plant-based diet, they, you know, they just called it vegetarian. We didn't even say vegan or any, we would say ITAL. But we kept spreading the knowledge. Now look at where it's gone all over the world, right? So many fucking people have taken to this path, which really, and I say, in me to some pussies on the back, changing what I put in my body and considered food was my first step in the progress of my evolution. It was when I stopped eating animals, something clicked in my consciousness. I was this violent, I mean, I would still, you know, shit came down to it. I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter, that's what I do. But to have this, when you kill an animal and you ingest, your, your consciousness is affected 100%. And when I finally stopped eating meat, something clicked within me. And that's why I say it's such an important, it's not the end all, right? We don't just get stuck on the food because then you become another fucking, um, you know, macro psychotic fucking, you know, bugging out on everything. But it's a step in the progress of our consciousness. Let's go on this food in the mode of goodness and let's, as a human species, move to the mode of goodness away from the mode of ignorance. I love it. Love it. Jeez. Well, thank you for your time today, John. You're brilliant. You really, really Listen, are. Listen, man, I had to leave you with a little bit of fucking philosophy there, Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of philosophy, but thanks again, John. You're really fabulous. Right, if people are looking, man. if people are looking to get your book, where can they find more details to find your uh, book? Everything that I'm doing is only uh, you go on johnjosephdiscipline.com. You could get the books. I got walking tours, and there's another uh, Bhakti Vedanta Vedic Library. Um. If anybody wants to read Bhagavad Gita or listen to it for free, you go on that website. You could get all the books of science of self-realization, all these amazing books uh, for free. And you and you can listen to them or read them online. But, uh, you know, just like I said, man, just keep showing up and putting in the work. Beautiful. Thank you, John Joseph. You're fabulous. Thanks All so right, much. lads. I can't right, tell John. you the part, but what the fuck, okay? <laughs> love Cheers, it, John. Thanks, Joy. All right, Cheers. thanks, Cheers. guys. Bye. Mind yourselves. We'll Cheers. let you know we're putting this up. Cheers. All right, later. Whoa, jeez, that was what a story, John Joseph. Like the story of transformation from where he's come from to where he is today. I, and I think, as he says, like if he could do what he does and shows up every day. And I think the, I think there's a lesson for all of us in there, that sense of perseverance, a sense of resilience and just that constant just showing up and doing his best and trying again. And I think one of the main things that I get uh, from talking to John today was that sense of spiritual rudder, having that sense of faith, whatever faith it might be. But it really gave him that sense of greater purpose and that greater sense of, you know, sense of belonging, connection. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, 
Very interesting man. If you're interested in his books, do check him out, johnjoseph.com. Follow him on Instagram. He's got some really interesting content there. Yeah, I think John and, John Joseph, I think you're a legend. You really are. You stand you you kind of epitomize that sense of just redemption, that sense of just raw Lazarus. fighter transformation. Just phenomenal. Anyway, once again, big shout out to Shawnee Cahill and Sarah Fawcett for producing and editing and uploading and managing this podcast. We're most grateful for yeah, it. And thanks to you for listening. We're really, really grateful. Yeah, we love this. This is our most one of our most favourite um, things of this year. We love what we get to talk to incredible people and the persons that we can thank most are you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Wishing you a great week ahead and hopefully we see you next week for another great podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.